guests that we're going to be interviewing, I'll be interviewing today. Uh, first off, I want to give a thanks to the NEO team and also specific to the Moonlight Project for sponsoring this awesome event where we're going to have interviews with all the major founders and key people in for the NEO ecosystem. So join me in the next couple of hours as we begin to stream across various channels, uh, Crypto Love, um, Chico Crypto, we have um, Young Investor, Young GLT, and uh, we also have my channel where we're going to be going through all the main ones and we're going to start the kickoff for today with the key, Ken Huang, which is the key advisor, chief architect for this project. So first of all, welcome very much, Ken. Appreciate having you Thank here. You. Thank, you. Thank you. So Ken is the chief technical advisor for the key. So I want to ask a couple of questions here. So Ken, can you tell us a little bit about the key? What specifically is the key and what do they do? So uh, the key is based on a technology called a blockchain-based multiple-dimensional real-time dynamic identity verification. So trying to actually provide a, a foundation for both public chain and the private chain, uh, a identity layer. Uh, it's uh, maybe I will keep the answer a little bit shorter, but it's uh, what we view currently in the uh, chain, uh, public or private chain, or consortium chain, there is a missing link, uh, is the identity layer, uh, which uh, could have um, be a next killer app. And I will actually, this afternoon at 4 p.m. at the NEO conference, I will talk more about that. Awesome, thank you for that. So just for those of you guys who have never heard of the key, a couple of fun facts about them. They are basically going to be a digital identity asset tool for um, digital currencies. And currently they have about 23 copyrights, um, 13 patents, and they have already 260 million people in China. So moving on those facts, let's talk a little bit about the token specifically, Ken. Can you tell us a little bit about how the token economics works for the key? and how is it going to work in this ecosystem for digital identity specifically and having people get that in and incentivize them to use that token? Very good question, thank you. Uh, so our general view, first maybe our general view of why token is needed in a decentralized uh, trustless system. And then I will talk about how the token will be used in the key project, uh, some aspect of it. So what uh, fundamentally we view the de uh, decentralized trustless system, for that to work, you need a token. Uh, so the token can play three crucial roles in this uh, token economy or in the decentralized world. One is uh, a um, smoother, like it's making the transaction more smooth. Uh, if you have to use fiat, like uh, uh, maybe most people know uh, Fabric, uh, Hyperledger Fabric. Uh, it's, it's, it is a consortium chain mostly used. Uh, it does not need a token, uh, but uh, in order for you to do the transaction, you have to use the fiat. Then you have to have the bank involved for cross-border uh, uh, trade, you have to use SWIFT, so it's uh, make it uh, more like, uh, once you have SWIFT involved, you have the, uh, like T plus one or T plus two, there is a delay, so it's not frictionless. And with token, it makes uh, the transaction more smooth. This is the one. The second one, we view as the whole ecosystem 
the key or the, the neo or the project is a organic ecosystem. For organic ecosystem, you need the blood. The blood is to circulate. So we're thinking the token is a blood. <laughs> so <laughs> and and the third, I, I will move faster. So the third, we think it's a glue. It's a glue uh, by using the incentive, the glue, the parts. Every participant in this ecosystem together. So this is actually crucial component. So every government they want to ban those <laughs> kind of things. I think they just do other countries a bigger favor. So this happened. In the past, with the red flag law in in UK, uh, I will talk about maybe this afternoon. Uh, eventually, the automobile industry happening in other countries, in US, in uh, mm -hmm. Germany, not in UK, right? So it's a similar thing happening now. Some country banned it, so let's do big favor for other country. Mm -hmm. So this one, but why why we need this thing? I move faster, okay. Why we need this uh, in our the key system? Maybe some of your typical use case. As a consumer, you can using the key uh, to purchase for identity mm -hmm. fraud verification or protection. Or you can use the uh, token to purchase the product from uh, the service provider. Mm -hmm. And as a service provider, if they want to use your identity, they have to pay. They have to pay, right? For your identity. It's a self-solving identity. Mm -hmm. And also identity provider, they can get the token by validating your identity. So mm -hmm. it's it's a just a high level uh, so, way you <coughs> So Ken, let's let's go ahead and talk a little bit about this idea of identity. So it seems like everybody right now has issues with looking at records. Um, in terms of your use cases specifically, where do you see the key being used specifically in what industries? that would potentially be using for identity verification or perhaps reducing the paper load. Because as I was reading the paper and I was reading the project, it seems like you have a really good value proposition for places where records would be used, where basically you could travel to different countries and verifying some documentation. Um, is there anything that you are working on in the industry specifically that you think the key would really shine in terms of its use? Yeah, so the first generation of the key product is already in uh, use is on the uh, health insurance. Mm. So if you go to the doctor office, uh, you just need to use this app, and uh, then you don't need to file the claim. All the, cl all the reimbursement or the cost uh, goes through the insurance directly, go to your wallet, mm. right? So this is the first product. Um, so fundamentally, we think uh, the use case has a different uh, level of authentication mm -hmm. or validation. Some use case, like uh, you go to shopping, you just need to give them your home address, your right. phone number, that's right. it, right. right? But if you want to go to the hospital, they need to know a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But also there is difference, like, yeah. uh, so we are building a kind of a smart contract layer to validate the service provider, mm -hmm. what kind of information they can mm. obtain or not. Like if you are a shopper, you cannot ask for medical history. That's correct. Right? If you are medical doctor, they <laughs> may not ask you, can, are you on the flight list? Or they cannot check this, right? right? So if you board the airplane, so this is a grand vision. It's eventually, that's the future we are talking about. Absolutely. Right? So 
to just kind of make sure we, we are aware, um, the key has already established key relationships in China specifically. That's actually where they're beginning to roll out their blockchain. Um, they have partnerships with China Unicom, China Minsheng Bank, and also China RF. When we're talking about these industries, Ken, what do you see your growth potential going forward? Um, is China going to be your primary market, or are you planning to move into the other countries to begin to tokenize and begin to expand your operations, or is that something where you're only focused on local governments or local areas? So there is some opportunity uh, for now, mostly in China, but uh, uh, also uh, I talked with uh, one of the founder of the key. He mentioned that uh, potentially Singapore government was also talking with the key. Um, that uh, it's not formalized yet, mm -hmm. right? So I, I, we cannot say it's a project to start. But uh, there's a possibility the underlying technology is, uh, can be used, uh, leveraged everywhere. It's uh, the market, the data. So eventually, uh, what I'm envisioning is we have uh, the, the key project which uh, have in China and also in US and also in Singapore, but it has to be operated, maintained within the territory. Mm. It's because of the law, like uh, in Europe, you have the GDPR, right? The yes. General Data Protection right. Regulation. Uh, in US, you have HIPAA law, HIP, yes. right? So the health uh, and also FISMA, all this. So you have to uh, obey the policy and the regulations or uh, privacy laws. And in, in China also, they, they uh, have privacy. It's not uh, in law yet, but it's lots of discussion, lots of uh, draft you. on this. So Thank you. Thank you very much. You. So just to kind of, one last question, Ken, if you could say in one sentence, why should people buy the key token and why should people be interested in your project? If someone were to say one or two sentences, what would you say to that, to those people? Yeah, so I usually don't uh, advise <laughs> yes. for buying no, right, any right. tokens, anything. <laughs> so, so my actually uh, uh, law is, uh, my, maybe I forgot, like I used to work in at Huawei as its uh, blockchain architect and my uh, law is always on the technical and the security and the performance side. And when I look at this project, I also look at from this angle and also from the token economic because I truly believe this uh, uh, token-based economy or decentralized economy. So I will go from this point. And then lots of people ask me, can you recommend this? <laughs> I said, for this actually you need a financial That's analysis right. license. <laughs> I'm not, I don't have the license, so I cannot. So I will not say you should buy or not, I just Provided you have vision. So. Okay, okay, thank you, thank you for that. Thank you for clarifying. Not financial advice, thank you very much. Well, thank you very much, Ken, for the for the background. I really thank appreciate you. having you here today. All right, guys, thank you very much. And this is Crypto Buy Thank you. Thank you. Hey, what's up, viewers? It's Tyler here of Chico Crypto, and I'm here with Fuji Nichols of Wawoo. Hi. Say hi to everyone out there, Fuji. Um, hi, how's it going? Thank you for watching. Yeah, enjoy. Enjoy the live stream, everyone. It's going to be a great time. So the first question I have for you, Fuji, is could you just give us a quick elevator pitch of Wawoo? What is it and what does it provide for users? Okay. So in Wawoo platform, what we are trying to provide is um, a platform where people without any um, physical backgrounds or um, knowledge in... Um, what do you call it? the computer science to be interacting with uh, blockchain very easier and b more simply 
So what we are trying to do is providing this uh, platform where users can um, register as a service operator and they could customize and make their own uh, tokens uh, that fits inside their community. So what you're telling me is basically anyone can create their own token and create their own, issue their own token, provide value to their community. Yep, that is correct. But um, our concept is trying to create an inspiring value, and this is what we really focus on. We don't want any kind of project, but it's kind of hard to decide then um, what kind of project is actually legit or not. So we have um, a lot of council members who are going to be deciding which um, projects would actually have a big, I mean, good influence on the society. So how is that council deciding on the good projects? Is it just like a, a, a review of it? Or are you talking with the founders? How, how does that work exactly? Well, of course, uh, we will be uh, consulting all those uh, projects. And uh, we will be interviewing, of course, and evaluating by some criteria that we decide. So the first priority is that uh, if the project is really going to influence the society in a good way, making uh, life and our um, daily lives very more, what do you call it, like happier. Happy, easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's talk about WowWoo tokens. WowWoo tokens are basically the crypto assets um, of the WowWoo platform. Can you explain how value is transferred with WowWoo tokens? Okay, so the first um, WowWoo platform-based token will be WowBit that we are going to have a token sale pretty soon. Uh, WowBit represents um, the WowWoo platform itself and the community itself. So the people who are going to register on our platform, they will be making like somewhat like a brother or siblings of WowBit. They could use WowBit too, but then if they have a different demand or different needs of inside their community, they can make a sibling of WowBit. Um, WowBit has a reserve, monetary reserve system, and we have a special resolution system, which um, all the users inside the community are to judge whether um, what the Wowoo community should do with WowBit and the Wowoo community. But uh, if the user prefers to use a different kind of token that's the fit inside their community, they can, um, what do you call it, like, uh, fix and customize it to their own um, tokens that they need inside that community. So WowBit tokens are customizable, what you're yeah. saying to me. That's, that's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah. So what industries do you see using WowBit tokens and creating their own customizable forms? Okay, so as of now, uh, we are working with a partner in Japan. Uh, it's a listed company named uh, OKWave. OKWave, yep. yep. And OKWave provides a Q&A services. So as you can see, Q&A services, like if you can imagine how is that profitable. So basically, they just do advertising. Exactly. And which is not really profitable. No. But Inside that community, of course, there's a lot of inspiration going there. So, for example, if I have a question, uh, someone off the internet comes on with a great answer, and I can give him the best answer, but he's not, you know, he's not getting any profit. Nothing at all. Yeah. yeah. So what OKWave wants to do is create an inspiring value inside this community where OKWave can um, give them a bonus, for example. And the people who can, uh, inside that Q&A services, they could uh, vote for whoever does the best answer. 
and if they get a certain amount of votes, then they will be um, appreciated again with the bonus from uh, OKWave. So this is just the one use case. The one use case. Yeah. About. And another use case that we are kind of thinking of is the one with um, stem cells. So uh, we have a company, a client, who wants to do an ICO on our platform. And what they want to do is, of course, they want to collect data, so a biological data of um, the users. So users can, I'm not sure how this is exactly going to work, we have to figure it out, but uh, the users can um, update their uh, physical data, biological data inside the blockchain and give it back to the, our client, who's going to be the service operator in that case. So in return, they could give back, um, you know, uh, let's say I have a cancer in my lung or something, they, mm -hmm. and, but I have a lot of those tokens, like let's say stem cell tokens, then they would be prioritizing me for making my lungs. But, you know, I'm not sure how this is exactly going to work. I'm sure there's a lot of issue, but um, they're thinking of that kind of stuff. So pretty much it could, um, I think we can fit in any kind of industry, but as long as um, we're trying to make people's life more happier. Better yeah. for the people, yeah. exactly, and yeah. that's a very admirable thing to do. Yeah. So I got a little bit of a technical question for okay. you. Could you explain smart active control of okay. the Wowbit tokens? Okay, so smart active control is one of the functions that we have inside uh, Wowoo platform. So uh, we can offer two kinds of tokens. So the one token, uh, Wowbit, with the value, uh, let's say if it's listed on a, uh, some kind of exchanges, then it would be, it would have a value. And another type of token is that Wowbit without any, um, what do you call it, economical value. Mm -hmm. Until, it's like a switch, so to say. So if you turn on the switch, then it would have a value. But unless you turn on the switch, it won't have any value. Wow. So you can give it out, like, you know, as a, like a coupon, kind of. Mm -hmm. And when they do certain things, then it you can turn on, on the yeah, switch. Yeah, and yeah. Then so it that's how the smart that. um, active control works. And it's a hard question to ask when would exactly that feature be needed. Um, it really depends. So it's it just one of the features we think that might you know, be legit in some kind of industry, but we're, uh, we're not sure how it's exactly going to work. But like, let's say in OKWaves um, ICO, if they are to perform one in our platform, yep. uh, they can, you know, for example, if the people vote you as the best dancer, uh, OKWave can give you this uh, non-economic valued Wowbit, for mm -hmm. example. And um, upon doing certain things, then maybe they can turn on the switch so you would have a value. Because they're not allowed to give direct you know, money. Direct money yeah. to people. Yeah. So this is kind of circumventing that. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah. Are you guys one of the only projects out there doing smart active controls? Um, I think so. I don't, I don't think I've ever heard something similar. Either. Yeah, no, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So another thing I'm pretty interested about is the lotto function in mm -hmm. um, the Wowoo platform and Wowbit tokens. Yeah. Could you explain the lotto function? Okay, so lotto is the, basically the same thing. So for example, uh, if you are a service operator and you have a, let's say you own a shop and you have like about 100 customers and you would like to give out, um, let's say, a trip to Hawaii inside, you know, one of these hundred people will get a trip to Hawaii. So you can, what you can do is give out those non-valued um, wild bits and one of the person inside this is going to be winning a lottery that has the wild bit with the feature um, that's, uh, that gives them the ticket to Hawaii. Oh, wow. So it's, it's, it kind of works like that. 
wow, that lotto function will be very useful. And um, I think that's a very, very good way to spread the tokens out to people. I hope so. I, hope I, so. I think it's a really good way. So another question regarding OK Wave, could you expand on that partnership a little bit for us? OK, so basically, uh, OK Wave is a listed company in Japan, as I said. But uh, they're not funding us directly. They have their uh, subsidiary company in Malaysia called OK Fink. And OKFink OK is trying to work on um, a lot of blockchain projects. Uh, yep. They're based in Malaysia. And I am based in Singapore. My company is founded in Singapore. So they um, OKFink OK is um, funding us uh, to support because OKWave OK is like, you know, like the definition of heartwarming like um, contents. They do nothing but Q&As. And they thought, you know, this blockchain industry is really going to change the world and can benefit those people with hearts. So that's why uh, they really liked the concept of Wawu. And then uh, we had a uh, talk, and then we were able to make a partnership. That's great. Yeah. That's great. So um, when is Wawu's platform going to be integrated with OKWave? Do we have a date for that, an expected time? OK, so after our token sale, we're hoping to release our um, actual Wawu platform by no later than third quarter of this year. And probably OKWave is going to be the first one who's going to be performing um, ICO on our platform. So meaning OKWave might be doing their ICO around fourth quarter of this year or mm -hmm. later this year. But not only that, but OKWave, because they have a lot of data that um, shows the demand of people and you know what makes people happy because they do Q&As and they do, the and they do uh, AI services as well. So we are trying to integrate these kind of data into our community as well. So we can provide an AI matching service, for example. Wow. So if you want, you know, like a shoes, for example, and you want to pay in Bitcoin, let's say. But you don't know who wants to offer the shoes accepting Bitcoin. There's no platform There's you can search that. You no can way. go on Amazon. Maybe they accept Bitcoin, but that's the only thing you can do. So if we provide a platform based on the OKWave's knowledge, we believe we can make a real peer-to-peer -peer kind of service where people can find easily what they want and who can offer that. And how they want to buy it and yeah. with what tokens. Yeah. So you're saying someone could use your platform and search for a product with Ethereum and say, hey, I have a bunch of Ethereum and I'm looking for some Nike sneakers. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, any other um, developments coming up for your platform? Okay, so right now we're in discussion of ne with Neo uh, because we are currently, it's a kind of shame to say, but we are based on Ethereum now. And because we didn't get a chance to very look into Neo uh, at the time that we got this idea, so we built it on Ethereum. But of course, we don't think Neo, uh, Ethereum is the best option. You know, obviously, attending this um, wonderful conference, I believe. Now, you know, Neo's the next thing. Neo's the next. the next thing, of yeah. course. But, uh, you know, we're still in discussion whether if we should switch to Neo, whether we should uh, make our own blockchain. So in the technical part, we might, you know, do something flexible, but it's up for the community because, the, we, as I said, we have a special um, resolution function where it's, it's going to be like a boat. So all the token holders can say, okay, let's switch to Neo, then we'll do that. If not, we'll make our own or we stick to Ethereum. We're not sure. But uh, either way, we will be making our own um, wallet services, uh, hopefully within um, this year. And um, 
provide those peer-to-peer uh, -peer, uh, matching services. Maybe that's going to be next year, but hopefully we can do something very interesting within the blockchain community. Well, that sounds awesome, Fuji. I thank you so much for being yep. here, and good luck with your platform, and thank I hope you, so you switch over to Neo. Thank you so much. You're welcome. What's up, everybody? YLGV here. We are here at Neo Talk at Neo DevCon. 2018. Again, I just want to thank the Moonlight Project for sponsoring Neo Talk and just for making this opportunity possible. Today we are here with Steven from Echolink. So really, just to start off, can you just give a basic explanation of really what Echolink is and where did this idea come from? Why did you guys decide to build this? Well, th thanks for inviting me. So Echolink, uh, uh, for Echolink we're trying to build a trust-based economy through uh, innovations in blockchain. So what does that mean? That means uh, we are trying to make the, all the applications, all the transactions in the real world uh, much smoother through instilling some trust in the process. So there is an article in The Economist recently which says that if an economy has a lot of uh, higher level of trust, then the transaction of doing business is much you know, it's much m lower and it's very efficient. And if you look at the uh, economies around the world, the ones that have higher per capita income actually have higher trust in their business transactions. And we believe that uh, uh, blockchain is actually a good platform to build a high trust economy. And more specifically, the first area we're addressing is the uh, uh, credential uh, degree uh, sector. You know, uh, so you can think of us as a uh, online professional system with verified degree information in the in the system. Right. And the, uh, you asked me about you know how we came up with the idea. Uh, throughout my career, I interviewed hundreds of people, and uh, the current system of hiring people is uh, pretty long and co uh, time consuming and costly. So we have uh, full time. Uh, we had full time. Uh, professional uh, recruiters that search people uh, on the internet and sometimes you know contact them by email or phone invite them for interviews and then finally if we want to hire someone we do background checks and then only then uh, do we really know if the degree is verified or not right. so we wanted to so at Echolink we want to shorten the, the, the time period and we wanted to actually make the verification before the interview process and that's the uh, objective of Echolink uh, uh, for its first use case. Yeah. Now, looking at Echolink, you can see from a glance, looking at the project, that right now it's looking to have resumes and information on the blockchain, and this way you could actually know who you're talking to. Do you see any other use cases for Echolink in the future as it mm -hmm. continues development? Yeah. As I was saying, uh, our ultimate objective is to build a high-trust economy, economic system. So uh, the first use case is degree, training certificates, anything has to do that has to do with professional uh, career. And then gradually we could actually expand it to, you know, uh, just throw some ideas out like marriage licenses, some kind of contracts, uh, 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 asset verification. So we could branch off to other uh, areas where uh, trust of information is needed. So our system is, uh, could be expanded into those different sectors. 
Now, with blockchain and cryptocurrency, one of the biggest things has been privacy. Mm -hmm. And people end up going to cryptocurrency mm -hmm. so their information is not readily available. Mm -hmm. How do you feel that certain people, not all people, but certain people will feel about having the information on the blockchain and that companies that might be trying to hire them are just going to be able to see it, no problem? Right. So, um, so as, as we know, the transactions are open to uh, inspection on blockchain. But, uh, so there are several layers of uh, privacy. Number one, in our sp uh, specific case, number one, uh, the amount of data that we put onto blockchain is, uh, is defined, which means that, you know, for example, uh, you know, we all have uh, university degrees. We all have the paper degrees. So the information on paper degrees, I think, I believe that uh, people want other people to see, right? Your name, right, right. Where, which school you went to, uh, uh, when you graduate, these kind of information are public. Now, you may not want people to see your GPA or you know the the, the full transcript. Right. Mm -hmm. That we can keep it private. So there are layers of uh, different le levels of information you put on blockchain. And further, uh, in addition to that, the data is encrypted. So the so the, for the casual browser, they wouldn't wouldn't be able to see what is going on. So so only uh, uh, recruiters or actually uh, uh, people who actually uh, have a legitimate reason to browse would be able to decode the encrypted information. And also, we further give the user a level of uh, uh, privacy settings. You could choose to publish uh, uh, the exact information. For example, you might just choose to publish your school and the year you graduate. Or, you know, if you want, you can choose to publish certain course information. So the level of privacy is totally adjustable by right. the user. Yeah. And do you feel that in the future this could eventually eliminate the need for background checks and you're just going to have this instead? Uh, I, I, I think we could, you know, work with the background checking industry. Actually provide them with a solution so that, you know, the process is more streamlined and actually it's more uh, cost effective for everybody. So I think, you know, um, I would say that we could uh, bring the background verification industry to the age of blockchain. Actually, we would like to partner with them. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Great. So thank you so much for joining me. YLGV here from um, Neocon. So let me send you guys over to Crypto Love. Thank you. Pose. Boom shakalaka, what is up guys? Randall here with Crypto Love, and I am here with my main man, Dean from VDT. Today we're going to be talking about VDT. What's up, Dean? Hi man, what's up? How you doing? Oh, just chilling, having a good time here at Neo DevCon. Thank you, Neo, for having DevCon. Thank you, Moonlight, for our accommodations, and thank you, viewers, for watching. Now, Dean. Yeah. What's, what's up with VDT? Yeah, well, um, you have a few hours, or... <laughs> I think I think we're good for like an hour, okay. four hours, something like that. <clears throat> okay, I'll, I'll make it. I'll keep it short. It's a decentralized render farm. And it's being built on uh, Neo with smart contracts. Awesome. So, what does that mean for people who don't know what decentralized render farm means? All right. So, rendering is basically the process when a computer turns a working project, like uh, an After Effects project or a Maya 3D project. When a computer turns a working project, like uh, an After Effects project or a Maya 3D project or animation, into a viewable end result. So, the thing that you end up watching on YouTube, maybe a 3D animation or whatever, you know, music visualizer, that is uh, the result of rendering. 
So then the decentralized render farm, which is VDT Network, allows for cheaper, faster rendering in a decentralized manner, making payments easier, making uh, finding new render farms to connect to easier, and you know all that good stuff. Awesome. That sounds really good. Now, so you mentioned that it's decentralized. Reminds me of, and computationally intensive, reminds me of a few other projects that people might know, like Gollum and Sonom. Mm -hmm. How is VDT better? All right, so Gollum and Sonom are platforms, basically, and uh, VDT is a protocol. Mm -hmm. So that entails that when you have a uh, protocol, it can connect to other platforms, such as Gollum and Sonom as well, mm -hmm. and uh, it can pick up those render tasks as well, or it can pass render tasks to uh, Gollum and Sonom. So it kind of interconnects with each other, and then also uh, render nodes, machines that render content, can um, uh, connect uh, with uh, a VDT network next to running Gollum to pick up more jobs. So it's basically beneficial for render nodes and for the whole render economy. Very cool. Now, is this something that's going to be used for large businesses like Pixar doing their rendering, or is it going to be for smaller individuals? Well, that's the cool thing about VDT Network. It's like a set of APIs that connect to the VDT Network smart contracts. We'll, we'll offer like um, APIs, frameworks, tools, and all that stuff. So it can be connected to private enterprise applications, but also to smaller scale applications. So basically, it can scale to any way you want. And then when you have Pixar, which will be a client, um, any client, and that could be a user, a musician, or a company, they can connect to applications. And those applications connect to VDT network. But the client, the end users, they don't, they don't have to know, you know what's going on behind the screens. They're, just, they're using an application just like any other. So and I think that's a good thing about uh, blockchain applications and modern applications. You have um, uh, the end user doesn't need to know they're connecting to a blockchain. You know? They don't need to know that. They just want their content rendered. Yeah. So that's basically you know, how it would work with VDT network. Cool. Now, you've previously had a success with Click.DJ. Right. How, does, how would you say that success impacts your progress moving forward? Right, so for the people at home who don't know, uh, Click.DJ is a music marketing application and it's, uh, it, it's pretty popular on the internet. It's one of the world's biggest uh, music marketing applications. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, so I've been in the music industry, in the music marketing industry for a while. And then I, um, my uh, co-founder of Fidiato, a different application, uh, I co-founded that with Itman Yildiz. He is the co-founder of Trap City, which is one of the world's biggest YouTube channels for music. It's a music how big, how big is that YouTube channel, just for people watching? It's about 10 million subscribers. They, yeah. I'm working my way there. 10 million subscribers. <laughs> there you, you go. Just click the subscribe You're button. You're there first. You yeah. Could. Subscribe. <laughs> yeah. And like and comment as well. <laughs> Follow Dean Press while you're at it on, <laughs> on Twitter. Oh, yeah. How do, how do they find They'll out plug. about you, VDT, everything? Okay, so uh, tw uh, Twitter is VDT underscore network, and then I am Dean Press on Twitter. So there you go. And then you can also go to VDT.network uh, in your browser, and there you can sign up to the mailing list and join the Telegram channel and, you know, be a part of the community. Uh, anyway, your question was, oh yeah, click DJ. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, we founded a new uh, website, which is a new application called uh, Videato. If you're familiar with Silicon Valley, that's kind of where we got inspiration for the name, like Aviato. Mm. And then, ah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Silicon Valley, awesome. <laughs> right, so we're like, what's a good name for video running? Oh, Videato, you know, it just rolls up <laughs> the tongue. Right. That's awesome. So, <laughs> Do you have to go on a spiritual journey to find that name? <laughs> I cannot comment on that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so... <laughs> so, Video, so Videato uh, is an application that music channels like Trap City and Trap Nation can connect to. 
and uh, they can connect their YouTube channel to it. And instead of having to render their content manually for hours and hours and, and you know, do the whole process and uh, finding a background, changing the titles, entering the details, all that stuff, you just drag your song into VDT Network and it shows you a library of backgrounds. You can just add it, crop it, edit it any way you want. But basically, just drag and drop. You click something and within a few minutes, it's going to be on your YouTube channel as opposed to five hours of rendering. So that's Fidiato. Mm -hmm. and, then, uh, and, and that was related to the music industry, right? Mm -hmm. So then with Fidiato, we ran into a problem. And that problem was that the licensing models for the software that we use in our backends changed their models from one license per server to one license per four cores per server. Okay. Now, um, render farms generally, they don't you know, run on four cores. Render, rendering machines, they run on like, something like 64 cores, like okay. our servers. Gotcha. So, Instead of paying one license per server, suddenly we're paying eight licenses per server. And that goes per minute. So that was a, a big increase in our, in our costs. Mm -hmm. So uh, we were already into blockchain development and all that stuff, and especially uh, NEO. Mm -hmm. And <coughs> excuse me. And we um, decided, uh, or, or we realized, that this is something that a decentralized solution would solve. So, and there wasn't anything like that for us, so uh, we're, we decided to build it for ourselves. So our application, Fidiato, which is a music application, which basically makes the whole rendering industry easier for music, uh, now will connect to a decentralized protocol, which will solve our existing issues with our cloud services. That's awesome. So that's how the whole thing interconnects. It's one big decentralized web. Dude, I love how you came <laughs> up with the name. That's freaking awesome. <laughs> um, now, so you're talking today. You haven't spoken yet at Neo DevCon, but... <laughs> Neo um, DevCon. Yeah. Anything you're 2018. Doing, 2018. Make sure... This is Neo DevCon 1. Make sure you come to Neo DevCon 2. Two. Yeah, if it... When, 2019, when it happens, maybe. When, yeah. <laughs> yeah. when uh, are you going to be telling people out there anything that you want everybody watching at home to know? All right, well, something uh, which is some new information, which I'll be telling on stage, is that VDT Network will connect with a digital identity. Uh, so there are sort of parties to render nodes, render farms, and clients can connect with each other using digital identity so they can validate their quality and service and stuff like that and reputation. Mm -hmm. So they're able to connect with uh, <clears throat> the people who can give the best results. You know, and so uh, that solves a lot of the issues, such as when there's a dispute, when the render, when the rendered content is not correct or something, then there will be a dispute, there will be a problem, and that would uh, result in having to verify, you know, who's right and who's wrong, and you know, should there be a punishment and all that stuff. Now that kind of those things can happen off chain, which takes a whole load of, uh, uh, you know, of. Uh, verification processes and stuff like that. So it's going to be cheaper and faster and just more convenient in that way. So that is one of the things I'll be uh, talking about. Very cool. I'm sure everybody at home is excited for that. Mm -hmm. uh, so should we keep going? Should we pass it on? I don't know how this works. First time, guys. First time. <laughs> I'll get better as I go. I promise by the end of the day I'm going to have this down pat. <laughs> You're doing yeah. fine, man. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else you want to mention? Um... Yeah, well, you have my Twitter, Dean Press, and VDT underscore network on Twitter as well. Uh, join the Telegram, join the newsletter, and uh, yeah, that's that's uh, gonna be that's it. Yeah. Cool. Also, subscribe to Crypto Love. Trying to get to ten million subscribers. We're ten million subscribers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a pleasure. A lot yeah. of fun. My Thank pleasure. you. Man. And then, guys, we have YLGV with Z Pin coming up next. Right. Woo. Woo. 
Thank you, Crypto Love. Again, Danny here from YLGV. And now we are here with Zeeping. Uh, so before we really just get into anything, could you just give us a, a, a basic idea of the project for the people watching? Yeah, um, hi, everyone. Um, I'm honored to be here, and thanks for having me here. And Zeeping is an uh, ecosystem. We want to um, build like a fair efficient facility with multiple dApps that everybody can use. So that's um, in creative industry. Yeah. Um, now, one of the biggest problems, especially today, is copyright. Yeah. Especially where I come from on YouTube, you can download someone's video and you could essentially upload it to your own channel yeah. and they could claim it as their own and get views from that way. And there isn't a lot that you can do besides filing a copyright claim. Now, what is Zping going to do to do with this copyright and how important is it to protect it? Um, do you mean like how we um, protect the content creators? Yeah, like how, how you how can we create their, their copyright. Exactly. Yeah, so um, we, first we have a machine learning com um, components that will check if um, your work has been submitted or what or not. So we, ca we need to make sure that your work is original before we uh, uh, do the whole procedure of uh, copyright protection. And then uh, you have to do KYC, which means that um, uh, you have to make a record on the blockchain and, you know, because the consequences might include lawsuit with the evidence of violation on blockchain. Uh, and you, I mean, you're, if you're smart, you don't want to do that because the violation on the blockchain won't be deleted. Um, and then we have several dApps, um, three dApps, ZSure, uh, ZWrites, uh, Z and the Z, Z Proof. So um, Z, on ZWrites, you can like get a copyright of your uh, a certificate with this on this dApp. So it's basically a, a certificate. And then on ZSure, we provide legal, uh, protect your legal rights, provide you with insurance uh, service and legal consultation. And then on Z Proof. Um, it's basically a zero-knowledge proof, which means that uh, if you're concerned, we will not di disclose um, your copyright contents on the blockchain, only the existence of your copyright, so that we, because we only write um, you know, hash values on the blockchain. So in that way, we can pro provide you with the copyright protection service. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. So. Now, really, when we're thinking about the, e the Zpaint ecosystem, with the growth of cryptocurrencies today, there's so many different cryptocurrencies and ones that provide so many different ecosystems that do so many different things. What really differs your ecosystem from the bunch of others that are out there already? Well, that, that is a good question because a lot of people compare us to other you know, services. But right. what we do is different because, first of all, there is no ecosystem that does what Zpaint is going to do. Uh, because, first of all, is our background. We come from you know, China's biggest creative website. And we've been running a creative community for more than a decade. And um, we have extended the um, client base to a global scale, scale um, covering 1.2 million designer users. So we've been in this industry for more than a decade and we know what exactly issues um, for example, freelance designers are faced with, for example, um, copyright protection, middleman, and access to global markets, um, and uh, you know, staying idea face, uh, the the problem of um, idea conversion, and so we um, we also work with um, our partners uh, to why we are empowered to do you know, provide all this service because we're working with uh, the underlying technology provided by our partners, uh, Neo, uh, Anqing, Ontology, 
So that's why we're different than others, and we are so like believe that we can actually develop those dApps and then do something good for the community. And um, among other eight dApps, three are finalized for testing now. So it will be on like very soon. And yeah. Yeah. So you guys already have a, a grasp on everything. You guys have been studying it for a while. Yes, absolutely. So now let's look at the actual token itself, the ZPT token. Yeah. How exactly do you see the token growing, and how is it going to be used in the ecosystem itself? Uh, so ZPT token, first, you it will be used as um, you can earn it. Uh, so we have a consistent community um, you know, um, mechanism, which means that we will reward the community contributors and rewards um, just to encourage people to, you know, get involved in the development of the, of the community. Uh, so we have bounty, we have project evaluation, and we have um, contributors. For example, we have a video on YouTube with 2K views, a few Ks of view with like subtitles in 11 languages provided by our community. So that's pretty amazing. I reward them with ZPTs. And then the second one is um, pay. I mean, most of our dApps are free. Um, but if you want to use some special features on our dApps, you need to pay a little bit ZPT. For example, if you build a, um, a team, you want to name it Happy Moon, and then you have to pay a little bit of ZPTs. And if you want to register copyright on blockchain, uh, that's also ZPT pavement, just a little bit. And then you want to manage your digital assets and... Um, um, you know, transactions on Zcrate, like you take, um, if I want to like uh, take orders and then design and then my client's gonna pay me ZPT. So that's the payment function. And then it's the invest investment function. Uh, we have a crowdfunding platform, uh, like service on this platform. So our ZPT holders can invest in this project and then the funds will be locked up by smart contracts, and when the jo uh, the project is complete, um, you the the CBD holders were gonna get the the projects um, well project raised in return by smart contracts. So um, it's expected that as the community grows, the demand to use CBTs will go up as well. And we really th believe that this is like um, amazing thing for our participants and for CBT holders in a very long run because. We encourage them to use ZPT. Right. Yeah. So now this is more just uh, for your personal opinion. There are there are some platforms out there um, where content creators are able to get rewarded. How important do you think, in your opinion, it is to reward these content creators where on other platforms they are providing their content really for free with no reward at all? Um, do you mean like crowdfunding? Yeah. Basically, like crowdfunding and how people are going to get paid in ZPT, as you were talking about. Yeah, so um, as I talk about um, people, like, you know, in, in that other platform that people get no rewards? Um, well, looking, let's say, for example, when you're looking at content creators, um, like on YouTube, if yeah. you're not part of the partner program, you're just uploading your content for free. Then we have some other platforms that have been out, certain websites where the content that you put up, you are actually getting paid. Um, not to put up that content, but you're getting rewarded from other users. So I was just wondering how important you thought that was, in your opinion. Um, I think it's it's very important because you you know if you do the original work, um, like if if you if you write like harsh values in this in this file, and if you change a little bit, and then the 
the hash values will be totally different. So it, it's very important to like to get rewarded for what you do and to to protect what you do. Right. Yeah, because for me personally, guys, uh, it, it's funny with YouTube. Sometimes, as I was saying before, you don't get too much copyright protection, especially if you are a, a small YouTuber. They're here to cater to a lot of the larger YouTubers. So it's good to see platforms where you actually have protection. You don't have to worry too much about your content being stolen. And if that actually is the case, then you're actually going to be able to do something about it. Um, is there really anything else that you wanted to just to say? say? Any details at all? Um, I just want to thank all the fans because we built it from very, you know, very beginning and now we have 44k followers on twitter and 30k on telegram just join our community and see what we can do and what we can provide for you guys um in the future thank you so much thank you guys so much now we are going to go over to crypto bud how's it going guys it's crypto bud here for today and if with you guys i am here with the ceo and founder of loopring oh my god i'm i'm so excited because as you guys know from my channel I've talked about Loopring a bunch of times, uh, and I'm a huge fan of Loopring, specifically what they're doing with the tech. So I am honored to have here Daniel uh, with me today. And let's start off with Daniel. Daniel, first of all, thank you very much for coming over. Um, can you tell us for the audience who may have not seen my videos about Loopring, tell us a little bit about what you do and what's your vision for crypto? Um, hi, everyone. I'm really glad to be here. Uh, I'm the founder and CEO of Loopring Foundation. Um, I think blockchain is the future. Yeah, so I'm a deep believer in blockchain technology, and I think in the future, the AI and blockchain will revolutionize the, the way we live and the overall economy. So, um, so we are developing a decentralized uh, token exchange protocol uh, and a set of software around it so that you can set up your own decentralized exchange really easy. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about your technology and specifically about that. So Loopring, from my understanding and from the, I've done it, it's, it's a protocol platform that is going to be pretty much the foundation, a lot of our decentralized exchanges. Now, let's talk a little bit about your relationship with NEO and Dahong Fei. Uh, a lot of our viewers um, have noticed that there was on your webpage, there was a little bit of a connection. Can you tell us a little bit about that connection? Yeah, um, first, NEO, I, uh, I'm a big fan of NEO blockchain. Uh, as you know, as a protocol, we can deploy uh, Loopring on top of many public blockchains. And NEO is our uh, second blockchain to deploy our protocol. Um, da Hongfei is a friend of mine, as many people don't know. Um, so we knew each other back in 2014. So uh, when I had my very first uh, crypto startup, which is a centralized exchange. Wow. So we talked about a lot of stuff, a lot of ideas, bold ideas at that time before he even founded this NEO wow. uh, foundation. Yeah, so right now he acts as a advisor uh, to our foundation and he is also a early investor in our token. So. Awesome, we might have to ask uh, Dal later on about that, but uh, let's move on to a little bit to your, specifically your technology. Um, I've noticed that you've been focusing on the wallet specifically. A lot of people think that you are, your, your foundation is focusing on exchange. Can you tell us a little bit about your vision mm -hmm. for the wallets and specifically the app and how Loopring is going to play a role in mobile um, exchanges? 
I think in the future, a lot of token exchange will happen right from the wallet in a decentralized way uh, because of the uh, lack of security on uh, ex centralized exchange. Uh, but I also believe that in the future, it's going to be a mix of both centralized and decentralized. Mm. Uh, because people, uh, you know, they have to learn about how to manage their private keys in order to use the decentralized uh, applications. So um, I, I think it's going to take like a year or two for mm. many people to get used to you know, manage their private keys, to own mm. their assets. Uh, back, back to what's your question? The, the original question. Oh, the original question was just about what do you see yourself, um, you know, focusing on? I mean, the in, the wallet, wallet, in the wallets. Right. So yeah. the development. And so the big exchanges they have a very solid cash flow for now. Mm -hmm. yes. They are really not incentivized to adopt anything new, and they they are sort of uh, they are short in manpower. They don't mm. have these developers to to try something as new as Loopring. Uh, they want to fix their centralized systems right. and keep them as safe, as secure as possible. So for them, they are not incentivized. But for small exchanges who are late in the game, mm. they want to try something new so they can build a uh, competitive advantage over those mm. giants, right? And for wallets, a lot of wallets, they have very good user experience. Yes. But they don't have a source of income. They have a user base, but there's no way, you know, previously they have some ICO tools to, to uh, help yes. people to do ICO, yes, yes. but right now uh, the ICO is not that uh, popular in countries like China, right? Mm -hmm. So they lost that kind of uh, revenue. So I think in the future, they are also considering enable people to trade right from their wallet, mm -hmm. providing this uh, extra but very important functionality will help them to get a lot more uh, users. Awesome. Thank you for that. Let's go over to the rewards. So this is a really interesting point. Um, in terms of incentivizing users to use to migrate over to the wallets, um, this idea of decentralized exchanges and the extra added advantage, what is your what is Loopring trying to do to incentivize people to use the wallets and to get off of the centralized exchanges so that your protocol becomes the chosen one for many of these? Uh, for normal users, I think we provide um, the ultimate security and mm -hmm. uh, transparency. And uh, since all the orders, all the liquidities are shared among all the relays in one uh, consortium blockchain network, uh, the liquidity will be better and the price will be much better. So for normal users, I think these are the, reason, these are the reasons they want to choose to use a uh, uh, wallet to, to do trading. Uh, but that side, I also how to, uh, to say this again, a lot of users, they don't have, know how to manage their assets, yes. crypto assets. It's better for them to still keep on using the centralized exchange because right. they have technical support, right? But for institution, uh, institutional investors or for mm. uh, international companies, if they want to trade cryptocurrencies uh, between each other, I think it's better for them to not trust any centralized exchange. Especially when they're the value they want to exchange are huge, yes. right? So I think uh, it's the decentralized exchange is not for everyone. Exactly. Very good. Thank you for that. Let's talk a little bit about ring matching and specifically also your technology regards to, to making Loopring different. So there are a couple of companies, not various uh, projects, not necessarily companies, that are working on also these protocols. Kyber is one of them, Zero X. Mm -hmm. 
how does yours stand out in regards? And, and I, I did read something about ring matching that was really interesting about transactions and, mm -hmm. and the speed. Well, uh, as a protocol, it must be, must be really simple yeah. to be adopted. Um, Loopring differs uh, from 0x from Kyber in many ways. But uh, if we mentioned 0x, I have to say I'm a big fan of 0x as mm -hmm. well. Uh, it's a very uh, inspiring project. I met uh, the team, the core developers. They are, they are solid, very good. Uh, we differ from 0x in several aspects. First, we have this ring matching. Yeah. So in one transaction, we can match multiple orders. That brings better liquidity and price. And secondly, we have this new role called ring matchers. It's mm -hmm. an independent role, so people don't have to pick the order, right? So in, in 0x, you have to pick the order. Mm -hmm. so you have taker, you have, you have maker. maker. So the, the, you have different type of uh, orders, but in looping, there's no difference between orders. So there's no taker, no, no maker. And the other one I think is more important is that we are using this permission blockchain architecture to enable the sharing of liquidity. And that's very important because in looping, we want to make sure the default mode is, is liquidity sharing. It's everything is shared in this consortium blockchain so that we can have a better liquidity by default. Let's talk a little bit about your different blockchains. So I know you mentioned that um, Qtum is actually one of the ones you're partnering as well, in addition to Neo. Mm -hmm. um, what's your stance on using that protocol across different blockchains, or are you focusing on specific ones? And how does that look forward going out in the, in the rest of the year in terms of partnering up with specific um, blockchains? Uh, as a protocol, we don't really want to bind to any specific blockchain. Uh, it's because we want to maximize the chance that this project will succeed in the, in the future. So right now, I think Ethereum has the biggest ecosystem. Uh, they have the largest uh, group of developers. Uh, Neo maybe uh, comes in second. Uh, so our strategy is to implement Looping on top of the most important blockchains. So in the future, no matter which one is the best one, you know, we always have the chance. And our investors always have the best opportunity to get their, uh, you know, to get a really good investment, right? So uh, Looping is really a generic, it's really mm -hmm. blockchain agnostic. So we are going to deploy Looping on top of Neo, on top of Quantum this year. And that's wow. the three, three blockchains are our focus. But going forward, we are going to deploy on more blockchains. Speaking of which, um, I've been doing a lot of research on the Next Exchange. Can you tell us a little bit about your connection with Next and Neo? Um, is that something that Next has in plan and in terms of the protocols, or will that be something that you're still working on? Um, so we position ourselves as a protocol. It's not a platform. Mm -hmm. It's not a set of um, website uh, applications, right? So everything we de develop will be open sourced. So as a developer, you can just clone our project and rebranding the software, right? right. So uh, NEX Next is a, is a platform. So we are going to work together. So Loopring protocol token is going to be used as the, the matching fee. It's a utility token uh, for Next. Yeah. And Next, their token is going to be a security token so that if you hold this security token, you will get some bonus, mm. right? So we are going to uh, collaborate um, maybe in a couple of months and 
maybe we are going to uh, release a news about awesome. that. Awesome, thank yeah. you. Let's talk a little bit about your token um, in terms of the LEAF, the, the Loopring Ecosystem Fund. Mm -hmm. um, what are the benefits of holding the token and what are some of the, the, the key parts of your token economics for Loopring? Well, uh, this LEAF fund is to incentivize developers to help us to improve the quality of our open source software. Um, I think that's the main purpose. So the fund can be a way of investment or it can be donated to some projects. But the donation, we are going to be really serious about the donation. It's, it's going to be after effect donation. So if you've done something we think is cool, we are going to donate. We are not going to donate beforehand, exactly. right? So. Uh, we have put like 20% of the current uh, looping protocol token in this fund, and we are going to put more in that fund. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. All right. So one last question. If someone were to say, why would someone be interested in Loopring's project? You know, one or two sentences, what would you say? As an investor, if you haven't learned from other people's lesson, you are going to learn from your own, own lesson. So if you put your money on exchange, you always face the risks of, you know, the fund being hacked or the owner got away from your money, right? So learn from other people's lesson. I think it's a good idea. Don't learn from your own <laughs> lesson, right? Excellent. Try Loopring. Try the Loopring wallet in the future. Thank you very much, Daniel. And guys, that was Loopring. Thank you for that, um, Daniel. Appreciate for the information. Thank you very you guys. much. And uh, Bada. And next, we're going to have Chico Crypto. Hey, what's up, viewers? I'm here with the man who needs no introduction, the man, the myth, the legend, Uncle Da himself, um, Da Hongfei. He thank is you, the, one yeah. of the founders of the NEO platform. And so for our viewers out there, that the ones that don't know what NEO is, could you just give a brief, brief breakdown of what NEO is? Wow, NEO. NEO is a great product. It's a great network. It's a, it's a blockchain for the future. It's a blockchain for the future smart economy. Yeah. So NEO, um, currently right now to issue a smart contract mm -hmm. on NEO, it costs yeah. about 500 gas. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, is there any, um, anything going to happen regarding mm -hmm. the fees of that? Are they going to go down to allow people who don't mm -hmm. have the money to do that to mm -hmm. build on top of NEO? Yeah, uh, 500 gas is, is, is quite expensive, but the economic model uh, with NEO is different from other blockchains. Uh, we are more like the internet. So the business is paying for all the fees, and the consumers are basically using it for, uh, for free. Uh, currently, it's uh, $2,500 or $25,000 for to deploy a, a smart contract. Uh, but in the future, we uh, the new holders have the right, have the voting right, voting power to decide what price should be charged. Yep. For those smart contracts. Yes, it's, it's flexible, it's changeable. So that yeah. voting functionality, mm -hmm. um, when will that be implemented? Mm -hmm. Is there a deciding date on that? Uh -huh. um, we, haven't, we, we don't have a, a fixed date to uh, when we can be able to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, I I'm, I'm, I'm imagine maybe in uh, six, or one, uh, six months or to one year we can do that. All right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about NEO's DBFT. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. The protocol. The Behind Neo, yeah, uh -huh. um, it took you and Eric. I mm -hmm. read mm -hmm. almost two years to develop. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Could you expand on how that happened? Yeah, uh, it took us uh, about ten months. Ten months to conceptualize all the new all the architecture. Yeah, from twenty fourteen to twenty fifteen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, we decided to choose DBFT because it's it's fast. Uh, the latency is very low. 
uh, currently you need uh, 15 seconds to 20, 20 seconds to have one confirmation. Uh, it's much faster uh, than other uh, uh, consensus mechanism. And second, it has perfect uh, finality. That means you only need to wait for one confirmation to, uh, to perfectly confirm that the transaction is already gone through. So uh, you don't need to wait for six confirmations or 21 confirmations. Yeah. Uh, and also, it's, uh, uh, it's a delegated by the team for tolerant uh, consensus, uh, 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 consensus. That means you have to vote for someone, then you have to know them. So the consensus nodes, they are identifiable. So it is more uh, compliant ready and it's more usable, suitable for uh, financial and mission critical uh, transactions. Like enterprise solutions. Yes. Businesses can't yes, have right. something that's going to take six confirmations, yes. take hours. Yes. They need yes. a confirmation then and there. Yes, and uh, it is not possible to have a network split a uh, with uh, a fork, yeah, with, uh, uh, with a DBFT, yeah. But because there are many meanings of fork, you, uh, the protocol can fork, and you can fork a project on, on, on and, uh, GitHub, so I, I use network split. Yeah, yeah, network split. Yeah, yeah. So um, let's talk about how you first mm -hmm. got into cryptocurrency mm -hmm. because I'm always interested finding yeah. out uh -huh. some of these founders how yeah. they first got into crypto. So uh -huh. explain to our viewers how yeah. you first got into Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Um, I came across Bitcoin in 2011, and I, I I can't remember exactly where I read the article. It must be some technical blog. Yeah, and then I spent a lot of time uh, researching on it because uh, I was very interested in computer science, mm -hmm. interested in economics, uh, and I even borrowed uh, a, a cryptography books when I was really? in co college. And I was, uh, I'm, I'm having a Bachelor of Arts degree. I'm not an engineering student, but uh, I taught myself assembly language and uh, C. Uh, the only purpose is to crack the computer in in my uh, university's lab, <laughs> so I can use it as my personal computer. Nice. Yeah. Hey. It's, it's, not, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not right, but uh, you gotta do what it you helped gotta me do. to learn the, uh, the lower level uh, architecture of computers. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. You learning mm -hmm. as a need, you basically yeah. learned uh -huh. computer science. Yeah. And that brought you into cryptocurrency. Into crypto, yeah. And, and then in 20, uh, I think in 2013, uh, a project came out, it, it's called Ripple, and it's using a slightly different technology than Bitcoin and doing slightly different things. Bitcoin is about uh, money, it's about um, how to create money and how to distribute money. But Ripple is about uh, uh, exchange, it's about payment. So I'm seeing the technology behind uh, the, those two uh, projects. Uh, but they are doing different directions. So we deci I decided uh, with my uh, teams to do something else. Yeah, wow. yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. So let's talk about yeah. um, some of the components mm -hmm. of the NEO smart economy, like the yeah. NEO virtual machine. Uh -huh. Could you explain how interop services uh -huh. will work um, within the NEO virtual machine and yeah. how it will plug into other blockchains? Uh -huh. Uh, because uh, Neo Virtual Machine is very different from other uh, VMs like uh, Ethereum VMs. Uh, there's only two uh, components with uh, Neo VM. It's, it's a stack-based stack uh, virtual, virtual machine. There is one CPU, there is one uh, stack. There's no 
persistent memory or hard disk with a new virtual machine. So you need to, if you want to store something, you need to request for a persistent storage. And if you want to get, uh, like get other information like system time, you need to request for a system time. Yeah. And you can even use the interop uh, uh, APIs to visit a website. You can even in the future you can even to uh, ask for a price of uh, certain stocks or maybe ask for uh, the weather of today or mm -hmm. yesterday or something happened in the history. So interop uh, service is can provide all those kind of services. Wow, yeah, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, so now let's talk about mm -hmm. um, Neo ID. Mm -hmm. So I've heard that Neo ID you're yeah. able to prioritize smart mm -hmm. contracts. Yeah. Will Neo ID be mm -hmm. its own project, mm -hmm. or will you be working with similar um, ID projects mm -hmm. such as the Key? Mm -hmm. uh, it will be a feature or a module with Neo. It won't be an independent project. Uh, currently, we don't. Uh, there, it's, there is zero transaction fee in in Neo. Uh, in Neo. So if uh, in the future there we have to uh, prioritize things, if uh, some transactions is from a address that are linked to a new ID, a real person or real organization, uh, they will be processed in the f uh, at uh, first. Wow, yeah, yeah. that's amazing mm -hmm. because I mean that's going to help enterprise solutions yeah, such yeah. as businesses come yeah. to the Neo mm -hmm. blockchain. I believe so. Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. I believe so too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, let's talk about mm -hmm. um, Neo's future. What do you mm -hmm. see as the most exciting thing for yeah. the next six months, year? Next six months, year. <laughs> Three yeah. years. Per year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think we are still in the early days of blockchain technology, so it is still very technology in intensive and we are lack of a lot of uh, uh, fundamental or infrastructural uh, uh, protocols so I'm looking forward for decentralized exchanges I'm looking forward to uh, uh, distributed storage yes. and um, uh, stable coins and those uh, fundamental uh, protocols is is what we are looking for yeah, yeah in the next uh, one year or three years. So yeah. I, I'm sure you're pretty yeah. excited about yeah. Next then. Sure. sure. I, yeah. yeah, Next sure. seems like a very great project, yeah. um, decentralized exchange. Yeah. Um, so let's mm -hmm. talk about um, consensus nodes. Mm -hmm. um, how are those uh -huh. going to roll out in the uh -huh. future? Yeah, currently there are seven consensus nodes in the mainnet. Uh, currently it's all controlled by the new console, mm -hmm. but we are in the process of decentralizing all the nodes to uh, related parties. And there are already uh, some organizations, they, they are willing to running consensus nodes, but ultimately they have to be voted. Voted. Voted in, yeah. So all the uh, new holders, you should vote uh, for those organizations. Do you uh, trust them to run uh, consensus nodes? And we have to be very careful with decentralization of all the consensus nodes because uh, the protocol of NEO is uh, evolving very fast. very fast. We need to we need to uh, those consensus nodes act very quickly to upgrade and if there is a bug there is a security issue we need them to respond very quickly mm -hmm. so we are we're doing the uh, de decentralization process slowly slowly gradually and very carefully i i imagine in next uh, 
maybe two years, we uh, all the consensus nodes will be fully decentralized. Fully decentralized. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that leads me into my next question regarding yeah. uh -huh. um, during your presentation yesterday, yeah. uh -huh. you said that you hope Neo will uh -huh. be the number one blockchain yes. by 2020. And guess yeah. what? That's yeah. happening, guys. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, so regarding yeah. that, you said that the, mm -hmm. by 2020, you'll mm -hmm. be able to handle 100,000 transactions per second. Yeah. Without shouting. Without shouting. Without shouting. With yeah. on, that's on chain, correct? Yes. Yes. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. will the distribute distribution mm -hmm. of the consensus nodes help mm -hmm. with that? Uh, it, it's a uh, it, it doesn't really help that actually. If if you decentralize everything, uh, things will get a little bit slower. Really. If you centralize things, things get faster. faster. Yeah. So uh, we have been calculating. We have been testing uh, the possibilities. Uh, What's a, what is the limit of transaction per second for a single shard? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, our uh, our con uh, we concluded that we can reach that uh, number uh, in two or three years. In two or three yeah. years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, how many mm -hmm. um, consensus nodes mm -hmm. do you think will be out there in about mm -hmm. two to three years? I think um, between 10 to 20. 10 to 20? Yeah, 10 to 20. Yeah. Do you think yeah. um, the mm -hmm. NEO holders will mm -hmm. be voting on those by during that time? Yeah. Uh, we're thinking about changing some mechanism to encourage, to in, uh, incentivize those uh, uh, new holders to vote. So they, that holders, they're the stakeholders, they should do something for the good of the blockchain. Good of the project, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. let's talk about um, mm -hmm. some regulations mm -hmm. and everything. So yeah. NEO has yeah. done an excellent job mm -hmm. of yeah. Um, getting their Western marketing mm -hmm. very yeah. well. I uh -huh. mean, the West yeah. loves Neo. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I've heard some rumors regarding mm -hmm. China possibly mm -hmm. releasing regulations for uh -huh. ICOs. Do you yeah. know anything about that? No, I've never heard of it. And you haven't heard yeah. of that? I never heard of it, yeah. Well, um, yeah. I'm hoping uh -huh. that they do release some regulations because, yeah. I mean, that will yeah, only I, help. I, I, I hope so, yeah, uh -huh. but uh, I, have no, I have no information about this. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. I, and I, I don't believe... Uh, we will see a, a lift of the ICO ban in in, 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 in near future. In the yeah. near future? Yeah. Uh -huh. All right. Well, mm -hmm. NEO has actually, when I first mm -hmm. invested, mm -hmm. I got in uh, Ant shares yeah. at $1.42. Yeah, it's, it's very early days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. early days. Uh -huh. um, and it shot all the way up. Mm -hmm. I think we're sitting at about $140 right yeah. now. Yeah, around So that. that's yeah. amazing. Talk to me about yeah. that. Like, uh, the price increase. How has yeah. that felt? Um, yeah, my team, uh, my team also always uh, tells me, do not talk about price. Yeah, yeah. of course. <laughs> okay. Don't talk about yeah, price. Yeah, so I, 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 I say the, it's a, it's a very exciting experience. Yeah, yeah let's and, let's uh -huh. let's take away from price. Let's yeah, talk right. about popularity, mm -hmm. like the popularity of yeah. Neo. Mm -hmm. How exciting is that for everyone? Um, my co-founder uh, Eric John, yeah. he he is very confident with Neo, and he always thinks that Neo should be the one of the top projects at very uh, beginning of uh, when we started. So. It's not a surprise uh, what we, uh, I mean, our uh, our ranking at the uh, all the public blockchains. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but the the surprise what surprised me is the the uh, craziness uh, yes. in this industry in in the, in the last year. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, literally a couple yeah. months in this yeah. industry mm -hmm. can mm -hmm. feel like a year. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it, moves, it moves very really fast. Very yeah. fast. Yeah. Uh -huh. So let's talk about some just. Mm -hmm crypto economics regarding mm -hmm. NEO. Mm -hmm. um, NEO and gas are yeah. very closely related. Yes. Um, do you see gas mm -hmm. out 
like pricing Neo mm -hmm. in the future, or what is your thoughts on that? Oh, I don't really know. It's uh, it's 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 demand. It's uh, yeah. supply and demand. <laughs> yes, demand and demand. Yeah. Um, currently, it's like a half uh, half of the price of Neo. That's usually what it sits at. Yes, yeah, I, I think as long as the price of gas is stable, uh, I'm happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, gas is uh, ought to be the utility token. A utility token, uh, they they better be stable. Yeah. Yes. Otherwise, uh, we need some other uh, stable coin solutions to uh, to to have a stable uh, uh, currency. Yeah. Uh, inside the system. Yeah. Yeah. No, gas is. Yeah. It's probably one of the most brilliant uh -huh. concepts I've ever uh -huh. came across in the blockchain. Thank is uh -huh. by holding Neo, yeah. you produce gas, which mm -hmm. is the utility. Yeah. And uh -huh. Gas is divisible mm -hmm. up to the millionth. Correct. Uh, yes, it's uh, had the same amount as Neo, mm -hmm. uh, ultimately. But uh, I have to correct you that it's you are not earning uh, gas. It's actually the gas is is sticked with Neo. So one Neo is sticked with one gas. One gas. And then the gas gets released gradually Over in about twenty two years. years. Yep. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So technically, if you're owning a, a one Neo, you you're own only you own one Neo and plus a little uh, a little uh, less than uh, one gas. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, thanks for that correction, yeah, Doc. Yeah. Well, I thank you so much mm -hmm. for putting this event on. Thank Neo you, DevCon mm -hmm. has probably been one of the yeah. best crypto events uh -huh. I've been to, and I've been to a few. So, mm -hmm. Doc, definitely cheers thanks. again. Thanks. And yeah. I can't wait for the future of Neo. Thank you. It's thank you. Thank you for having me. Cheers. We're going to head over to QLink right now. Hey, everybody. We are here with QLink. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Thank well, you. Thank you so much. So, our pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for your invitation. So, really, let's just get to start off. Tell me a little bit about QLink. What exactly is QLink, and how does it all work for the viewers at home? Okay, so uh, first of all, my name is Susan. I'm the CEO of the QLink, and joining me today is our chief architect, Alan Lee, and he's covering everything about touch technology, blockchain, everything for docs and the hardware of the QLink. So um, we started as a very small team, but with a great version, vision, and uh, we want to be the first decentralized mobile network. And uh, what decentralized mobile network is, is anything touch upon as a network service, in, in including internet access or any transaction to the internet, uh, to any transaction on the internet through access, for example, VPN, Wi-Fi, mobile data distribution, that's a part of a mobile network, and we want to decentralize that service. Right, right. Yeah. So now just going really into like a little more of the backbone of things, uh, maybe if you want to describe some use cases for QLink, and really just for the viewers at home that aren't going to be able to see your presentation, maybe you want to talk about some of the things that you're going to be talking about there so they can know about it as well. Okay. Um, there's a couple of adapters running. Um, there for, so, for example, the Wi-Fi sharing is the first adapter that was launched. So whoever uses adapt can just uh, um, plug into the, all the Wi-Fis that are near them and be connected without typing into the password. Or you, you don't have to ask the password. So Wi-Fi has to be pre-registered, and anyone who can use Wi-Fi. And it's uh, super safe because of the P2P connection. And this is the first step. And the second will be the decentralized VPN service. Whoever can set up a VPN and be shared and get paid the, through the QLink network. Yeah. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Awesome, awesome. So now just looking a little bit into competition. Yeah. Now the cryptocurrency market we've seen, especially in 2017, pretty much exploded. Exactly. So ideas that were at the time the only thing around, yeah. as more time goes on, 
there's a lot more competitors. So do you think that decentralized mobile networks are going to become more of a, a normal thing as yeah. we advance? And how do you think you're going to deal with any competition that's in the future? So Ellie is the best person to address this question. Yeah, uh, according to what I know, more and more uh, startups and the teams uh, enter the mass network uh, competition field. Uh, uh, according you know, the decentralized mobile network, I think we are the first startup and we are the first team to uh, build the mo uh, decentralized mobile network based on the blockchain. I think the main advantage of Qlink is that we uh, build a full stack uh, protocol on the blockchain to the mobile network, including the hardware, including the uh, the P2P network and the virtual uh, virtual machine and the protocol uh, and to the application. So uh, it's very important for the uh, users' uh, user experience that uh, the end-to-end end to end is uh, uh, can more uh, make sure the uh, user experience smooth and uh, uh, more uh, another uh, advantage I think uh, is uh, uh, we uh, how to say uh, redefine the the consensus uh, uh, it's a new type of the POS consensus we call the sending consensus. Uh, it's combined the uh, proof of the space-time, the proof of the uh, retrievability, and the proof of the uh, transmission. Uh, uh, with this consensus, we can unify the edge network and the core network into the, uh, the token uh, uh, insensitive. Yeah. And the third advantage, I think, is uh, uh, we are building the network be aware of the content. It is very important to the telecom industry and the, to the network operator, uh, especially for the in the future to make everyone can operate the network and uh, gain the benefit from it at the same time. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Now, looking look at the the user base. How do you feel that users are going to accept? a new mobile network since you guys are really bringing the first of its kind to the table. Uh, what do you mean by adapt to the first batch of users? Um, well, I mean the people who are going to be using network. Yeah. How do you think you guys being the first platform that's doing something like this, do you think it's going to be easily adopted or do you think uh, you're going to have to maybe market it a little more? Well, that that is a brilliant question because this is one of the challenges that we're facing. And essentially we're developing a utility app, which is a tool and anyone can use, but this tool is on the decentralized on the blockchain. And so we are facing how to adapt people into in the crypto world. And essentially the first step will be serve the neon community because uh, the, the Q-Link wallet is fully built in into the Q-Link first app, which is Wi-Fi sharing already. So it's running on the testnet right now, uh, which means you, you can, if you have neon on the testnet, you can buy the QLC and you can use our app to register Wi-Fi to consume any other service that are provided. So um, when it's fully functionalized and you will be moved to the queuing, uh, will be moved to the Neo main chains. You have Neo, you can buy that. So this is uh, this is uh, the first step. And essentially, we're going to do a marketing and make people to be aware about in crypto payments because we think it's very very important, especially for the developing countries who are not 
uh, fair, friendly, and for people like Nigeria, they actually have to go to the post office to pay the telephone bills. Right. If they have the encrypto, it's much efficient. And a lot of bills can be set into ways. Uh, so for example, those thinnest telecom towers, they have long leads to the operators, which can set them into crypto as well. So there's a lot of debt can be running on the public chain that uh, Alan just mentioned. And this is our vision, where we want to be. Yeah, Yeah, I thought I, I took a, a little bit of interest into Q-Link myself mm -hmm. because I, I thought it was an interesting idea having a, a decentralized mobile network like this. And yeah. honestly, myself, I haven't seen an idea like that so far. So definitely competition in the future. I'm going to be interested in that to see exactly how they work to try to beat you guys, I yeah. guess I would say. So I think that's going to be very, very interesting. Yeah, we, I mean, we all first stuck out of, came out of the platform and uh, so we, I think and, uh, we'll just uh, keep working hard to take the lead over the markets. Yeah. Do you guys have any other plans for maybe further down in 2018 you wanna, you wanna talk about? Um, 2018 is a big year for us. Do you want to share more details? Yeah, yeah uh, first uh, we have released all the DApps development. Uh, the MVP can support the Wi-Fi uh, uh, P2P uh, sharing, and we are developing our the protocol cluster, including the, uh, the account share protocol, uh, the name resolution protocol, and uh, the billing protocol. By end of this year, we will support the decentralized firewall protocol and the decentralized search engine protocol. This protocol, protocol cluster will be finished in the 2018, and at the same time, we will launch the hardware-based station to build a real mass, a work, mass network based on uh, embedded, the, uh, embedded hardware uh, and uh, uh, put the uh, protocol layer on it and uh, uh, in, uh, to, uh, to encourage the developer, Qlink developer, uh, to develop the DApps on this. Yeah, it's the target in 2018. Yeah. Right. And uh, yeah, that, that's a product. And uh, on the marketing side, so we're building the communities all around the countries. And then we're recruiting the influencers uh, who can help us to launch our project because it's going to be a community-based project. And we encourage anyone or in that country to go out, register Wi-Fi, and uh, share, spread the words with the users to make sure the user can enjoy the Wi-Fi's and uh, VPN or other services without too much pain. Right. Yeah. Right, and, and I think it's great that it's another way to really bring uh, cryptocurrency and blockchain more into the real world and real world aspects. Yeah, exactly. That's where we go. Yeah. So. Um, thank you guys so much for joining me with Q-Link. Danny here from YLGV. And I'm going to be sending you guys over now to Crypto Love. Boom shakalaka. What's up, guys? Randall here from Crypto Love. And I have the man, Jonathan from Red Pulse here. And today we are going to be talking about NEO's first ever ICO, Red Pulse. Jonathan, welcome. Thank you. Great yeah. to be here. Dude, it's a pleasure to have you. I am... Uh, I am number one kind of starstruck just to be here with you, to uh, be honest, and uh, very grateful. So tell everyone out there about Red Pulse. What's going on with Red Pulse? Yeah, I would love to. You know, that's why I'm here, always helping to uh, spread the good word on Red Pulse. So what we are, what's our platform about? We are a tokenized research ecosystem covering China. And we've used our own cryptocurrency, the RPX, as a fair and transparent compensation mechanism for outside contributions of research. That sounds great. So you, 
you already had a working platform coming into the ICO. Mm -hmm. That's right. Correct. And yeah. so, how did you, how did that work for you with the ICO? Yeah. So I, maybe a little bit of a backstory there. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been operating as a business for up to close to three years, actually, at this point. Uh, when we first started looking at the ICO. So we had a product, we had clients, big name clients, some of the top banks, asset managers, brokerages globally were using our research to better understand China. But there were two observations that we made as we were building this business. Number one, unfortunately, most of these financial institutions, they weren't willing to pay for generic research anymore. You know, they get a lot of free stuff from, from Bloomberg, from Financial Times, from other service providers, and it became really difficult to sell them on this sort of more niche research covering China. Now, the second observation, perhaps much more optimistically, is that these financial professionals were willing to pay for custom research. You know, so something that would give them an edge, something that would give them access to subject matter experts, to industry insights, that was something that they were willing to pay for, and in fact, pay a lot for. So considering these two observations, we stumbled across, and I have to give credit where credit's due, a website called Steemit. Mm -hmm. So Steemit pioneered this idea of creating this, this content platform, yet using cryptocurrency as a compensation mechanism. So there's some aspects of that that we borrowed. But in our case, what we're looking to do is to create a professionalized content platform, focusing on research insights from a audience of experts that are then disseminated to finance professionals that need it. That's awesome. So another question that I had, so when you had your ICO, number one must have been pretty cool to be the first ICO on NEO, and then second, there was the whole China ICO ban going on around the same time, correct? That's right. How did you handle that? I mean, what was that like? Well, hey, it, it was not an easy situation uh, by any stretch of the imagination, I'll, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I mean, I was, you know, not a lot of things rattled me, but, uh, you know, that was kind of a situation that, you know, we had to think through uh, pretty carefully, and it's the reason why we postponed our ICO. Now. We still went forward with the ICO because RepPulse as a company has been incorporated in Hong Kong from the get-go. You know, from 2015, uh, when we first established the firm, it's always been a Hong Kong entity. But given that there were so many regulations coming out so, so quickly, so hot and heavy, we just wanted to make sure that we were, you know, abiding by all rules, all p policies, and that we're compliant. And after hiring a big four accounting firm, after hiring a Hong Kong law firm that went through our purchase agreements, went through our white paper, and the token sale itself, we were given the go-ahead, you know, we were given their blessing, and we moved forward with the token sale about a month later on October 8th. Awesome. So how can people out there benefit from Red Pulse and also Red Pulse token? Sure. The platform and the token. Yeah, so there's a lot of different ways you can benefit. So as a contributor, you don't necessarily have to be an expert in, in any sort of field. In fact, if you are a casual market observer, if you are bilingual in Chinese and English, perhaps uh, English and Korean and Chinese, then you can already add a lot of value because what we're really playing upon here is the information asymmetry that exists between people that are in China and have access to a lot of these sources of information versus those that are outside of China. And given that China is such a massive economic opportunity, it's already number two in the world by GDP in terms of economic size, China is a big deal. And people need to better understand China you know, for a number of reasons. And so we found that this is a great platform to give those people that have some abilities to either translate or share some insights on China uh, a platform to speak and share those ideas and be compensated for it. That's great. So what's it like running Red Pulse? 
Repulse is is amazing, uh, and and running Repulse is a daily challenge, I would say, but it's also very rewarding. Mm -hmm. uh, the challenges abound. I mean, it's the same challenges as running a startup, which you know I, I don't have to go through the laundry list of, of how difficult that is, uh, getting a, a new platform off the ground. But it's combined with the challenge of running a cryptocurrency-based startup. And given the daily volatility of the cryptocurrency space itself, you know, regulations that are changing seemingly on a weekly, if not daily basis, it, it just further um, exacerbates some of the difficulty there. But at the same time, very rewarding. You know? So the fact that we are so uh, much on the cutting edge of the development of new ecosystems that are founded upon cryptocurrency, that's super exciting. And all of my staff, all of my team members, super, super excited to be a part of this. That's great. What, what developments have you done since the ICO? What have you been up to? So in a word, platform. So we've been focused on platform development ever since we finished our token sale. And much of that is actually hiring. So hiring the right staff. You know, one of those things that we struggled with before we did the token sale was finding those right people, but also being able to compensate them at a, at a, at a value that was commensurate with their knowledge, with their skills, with their experience. Now that we are fully capitalized and are able to do so, we're, we're running full steam ahead, finding the right people, building the team that can then focus on building the platform. Well, since we're talking with people who may be awesome potential future team members, how can they find out about joining the team or how can they find out more information? Sure, absolutely. And, and thanks for the call out. Yeah, uh, so you can just go to our website, www.redpulse.com. And you can also send us an email at careers at redpulse.com. And we would love to speak to you. Now, is the Red Pulse platform, is that available for people to use all over the world or is it pretty much primarily for people in China? It's actually targeting um, initially people outside of China. Mm -hmm. So the platform, at least even before we tokenized it, is primarily used by financial institutions, corporates that are global, that are outside of China looking to better understand uh, localized Chinese market dynamics so they can make better business decisions and better investment decisions. Mm, that's great. Now, you're going to be talking later today that's right. at NeoDevCon. <laughs> and so, um, anything that you're going to be sharing there at NeoDevCon that you'd like people at home who may not be here to know about? Yeah, so a, a lot of the things that I'm going to be sharing at the initial side of my presentation is going to be pretty common, you know, stuff that I've shared in the past, but I, I wanted to set that common tone uh, for people in the audience that weren't as familiar with Red Pulse. But later in the presentation, I'm going to be focusing more on sharing economy. So everyone talks about sharing economy these days, and there's tons of these you know, unicorn, decacorn companies that have built this business upon the idea of a sharing economy. But I want to use the example of a cryptocurrency-based sharing economy as a new way of building that, that sort of business model. And it's going to be pretty interesting. Okay, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Awesome. So another thing, uh, I just saw you talking with Da Hong Fei. And in fact, I got a picture with both of them. <laughs> but I got a picture with you and Don yeah, Fei. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so that must be really great to have like a working relationship with him and be able to just communicate. Absolutely. Yeah, it's one of the key reasons why we decided to partner with Neo and OnChain in building out this platform together. It's that accessibility and willingness to open, uh, openly work together and collaborate on some of these new ecosystems and business models. And that's, that's super helpful um, because if, if you look at some of the other blockchain platforms, you know, you, you of course can build on those platforms as well. Um, but, you know, whether it's because we're also in Asia, also based in, in greater China, perhaps that 
provides us with more access, but it is access that is really critical to what we're looking to do. And having access to not only Da Hongfei, Tony Tao, uh, Johnson, and, and the rest of the, uh, the Neo Core dev team has been pretty critical in us being able to achieve what we're looking to do. Yeah. Another question I had. So uh, how, because China does sometimes have regulations that affect things, and uh, how do you prepare for that coming up in the future? Do you think, is that going to affect you, or what do you well, have looking you know, at? Well, you know, I always go back to the old saying, you know, hope for the best, but plan for the worst. Mm -hmm. So we certainly aren't sticking our heads in the sand and just hoping everything just works out, you know, fine. So we've, we've looked at different scenarios that might play out in different market jurisdictions and have incorporated that into our business strategy. So I can't go into all the details of that, but we are making sure that this is going to be a viable, successful business model for many years to come. Mm -hmm. Great. And talking about these upcoming times, what do you have planned in the roadmap? So roadmap, uh, which is, by the way, you know, fully uh, accessible on our website, you know, so you can, you can hold us to it. Uh, so for the first half of 2018, we're going to be focused on building out the new platform, of course. And the first step towards that is to transition our old LAMP stack, you know, very old school stack, into a Drupal Django-based uh, web framework. And the second step beyond that is to create a feed system for all of our current research. So using a, an API, uh, pr probably a REST API, to allow financial institutions to directly plug into that feed of information. And then following that, we'll start incorporating the RPX as the actual compensation mechanism. And that will probably come later in uh, second half of 2018. Mm -hmm. Sounds like an exciting year. Very exciting, yeah. Do you, find, do you find that things move very, very quickly in cryptocurrency, like so quick that it's hard to even keep up with it? So incredibly quickly, um, but I wouldn't say it's hard to keep up with. It's just something that you have to get used to. Mm -hmm. So having been in this space as a crypto project for, uh, I would say, less than six months, you know, I almost feel like I'm, I'm one of the old guard. You know? <laughs> you know, I, I see these other projects come about, uh, and, and I, I tend to feel like, oh, okay, well, you know, that sounds like they're, they're doing pretty well. But come to think of it, you know, I look back, when did we first start with the idea of creating a cryptocurrency-based uh, research platform, it wasn't even that long ago. And it just really shows how quickly things move. You just have to adjust your own planning, adjust your own execution to, to, to match that as well. Mm -hmm. That is awesome. Yeah. Well, it's an absolute pleasure talking with you. And we're going to be wrapping up soon. But I want to ask, anything else that you'd like everyone in the world to know? No pressure. <laughs> no pressure at all. Yeah. So I, I just want to thank everyone out there for your consistent support of Red Pulse and, and also RPX. Uh, we can't do any of this without you guys. So continue supporting us. We'll continue uh, sending out communications, letting you guys know what we're up to, what's our progress, and we're going to make big things happen with Red Pulse. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, it's, it's good. I think we're, we may have a little bit more. Are we good to go? Or? Oh, OK, so guys. Stay tuned, because coming up next, first I want to say thank you so much, Jonathan. It has no been an absolute pleasure. An Me absolute pleasure. Absolutely. Same here. Yeah. And coming up next, we have my man Crypto Bud with City of Zion. <laughs> and we're out. How's it going, guys? Crypto Bud here for today. Um, I have the privilege of speaking with two of the co-founders for the next exchange and from the city of Zion. Yes, guys, you know those awesome wallets that just came out um, last couple of weeks where it's seamless, it's fast, it's fast, where you get to store your precious NEO and all the uh, NEO tokens. So first of all, Thomas and Ethan. 
thank you for, for coming over to have this uh, conversation. Um, they basically um, have really are the, the brains behind all the technical parts on those wallets. And I know a lot of you guys have been asking me about, okay, how do I store my NEO? Where to get my tokens? Today, we're gonna ask a couple of questions and hopefully they can share us a little bit about the progress, the pains, but also the growth and just what you guys have been doing at first. And it's, it's fantastic, guys. So welcome again. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Thanks to be here. So tell us a little bit about um, what you do. So Ethan and Thomas, uh, just your, a little bit of your background, um, kind of like how you're connected with um, Zion and also Next. Those are two really ambitious projects. Yeah, so, so we're both actually uh, co-founders of City of Zion, uh, along with Fabio, who, who many of you know. Uh, and you know, so that's how we actually originally met. Um, and so over the course of months working uh, on various City of Zion projects, uh, we, we ended up really connecting and uh, then going on to found Next, the company. So that's, that's the sort of short version of our background. Awesome, awesome. So, so tell us a little bit about, um, first of all, let's talk, talk about the, the wallets. Um, what have you done so far that, that has really enhanced the user experience for anybody who wants to store the NEO tokens and wants to get in in terms of security and also for the UI? Yeah, so, so I think sort of from, from day one, you know, the idea was like, let's make it easier to store the tokens, right? And to, to interact with the NEO blockchain, right? And if you remember in the early days of AntShares and so on, like you had to <laughs> install your, your thing and have it sync forever. And, you know, sometimes it didn't sync or it didn't work. You know, you're gas claiming, you weren't sure how to do that, all of these things. So, you know, first we start with the idea of let's have a light wallet. So, you know, this means a wallet that sort of connects to, you know, remote servers to get the balance information. You don't have to sync, you don't have to wait. Uh, you know, so that was that was sort of the first step. Second step was like, okay, let's make it easy to claim the gas, right? Because so many people have no idea what's going on there, right? Exactly. So you know, one button style gas click, right? Uh, so now it, when we have all of these, you know, token sales, ICOs, and such, you know, the obvious next step here is right. Let's make it easy to interact with those and to manage those. So that's kind of where it's moving right now. Awesome. Um, Let's talk a little bit about um, how these are getting incorporated with some of the newer tokens. Like, like you mentioned about these ICOs. Yeah. Um, I saw on, on the actual interface that there was an option to participate in, in some sort of ICO where you get to send your address. I mean, I thought that was great, great because unfortunately we saw, already know that the last ICOs that came out, there was a little bit of a technical glitch with just getting your addresses, things getting refunded manually. I heard something that people yeah. had to refund those. Um, how does that look for going moving forward for anybody who wants to participate in these ICOs? Um, how your UI is going to make that a little easier and, and seamless? I think the the first part is, and this started with uh, the RPX. Concept yes, the RPX back. policy. Yeah, um, I remember. And uh, I think the the main challenge is designing a smart contract that can support automatic refunds. Got it. Or even um, automatic rejection of transactions mm -hmm. that for some reason, go over the cap or not in the KYC whitelist. Mm -hmm. um, and to do that, uh, you need you know, a little bit of additional logic in your smart contract. Mm -hmm. So I think in December, Next published uh, a smart contract template that for people to use mm -hmm. that has all that functionality built in. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, not a lot of people have used that yet. Yeah. And we're trying to set a standard for other tokens to use so that it makes this whole process both easier on the user, mm -hmm. easier on the ICO operator, yeah. and also easier on the network. Got it. Right. Um, so uh, once that uh, is in place, um, there's is there an option 
in Neon to yeah, yeah, yeah. perform so, additional verification. Right, right. Yeah. So, so that's, and we're going to use Neon Wallet as basically a vector to encourage, you know, basically the use of, of this template, right? Because if we make it really easy to use that in Neon Wallet, then, you know, many people, I think, will be very interested in, in using yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. Um, Currently, your, your your wallet supports all of the Net5 um, tokens That's right. protocol. Yeah. So, um, can you talk? I mean, this is from my personal experience. I'm not sure if anybody had it. Um, in regards to updating the wallets and also the speed of some of the the glitches in there, how fast in terms of how how is your team kind of working towards getting those out? Uh, fix because I know I try to put all the tokens in, and not all of them showed up. Sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't. Was that something that was that? maybe addressed or, or it's going to be fixed or how long? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm super glad you brought that up because that's a question we're getting a lot. Um, so the, what's going on here is uh, the wallet communicates directly with the nodes to get the uh, Net5 balance information. And so unfortunately what happens is when the nodes don't give you that information, they're slow or they're down or for, for whatever reason, um, it basically returns zero balance or it returns non-existent. And so what that means is the wallet's like, oh, it doesn't exist anymore, right? Yeah. So, so the obvious thing here, which we're going to do in the next immediate release, is to store a history of all of the tokens that you've ever had a balance on. Got and it. so you know, that way, you know, if it pulls a node, the node says there's nothing there, well, at least you still have the, the, the token there. Yeah. And you know, maybe we have a message that says we just couldn't connect to the node. We, it doesn't have to just disappear. So for everyone who's experiencing this issue yeah. right now, do not worry. <laughs> Your funds are there. Everything is safe. Everything is fine. Uh, it's just it, it connected to the node. The node didn't give you an answer, and so it disappeared. That, awesome. That's it. Thank yeah. you for that reassurance. Um, let's talk a little bit about your relationship with, with uh, NEO. So my understanding, Zeno, can you talk a little bit about City of Zion? For those people who don't know what that is, I, mean, I love the Matrix. And when I yeah. first heard Zeno Zion, I was like, there's something special about this place. Uh, <laughs> so tell us a little bit about just your overall, um, how are you connected with NEO? Are you doing this um, you know, on your own? And I know you guys have done such a great job with just the community building and getting that tech out. Uh, so tell us a little bit about City of Zion, what it is, and, and how do you guys got started and things. So uh, I think last April or March or May, there was a, a Slack channel that uh, NEO started and in that Slack channel, Ethan and I were there, and yeah. and a couple of other people, and it uh, it was almost like a self-organizing oh. thing. Uh, uh, you could tell who was doing work and who knew what they were talking about, and out of that kind of formed the council. Wow. Um, and once there, we had some level of organization in there. Uh, Fabio did a really good job yeah. of uh, striking up a relationship with the Neo Council. Awesome. Um, so we are. Have always been an independent group of open right. source developers. Um, we do receive funding from uh, Neo Council themselves, but we don't receive instructions from them. Oh, okay. Um, so all of our projects are, are self-directed, and uh, so far it's worked out pretty well. Yeah. Right, right. And just to add to that, it's it's a very bottom-up process. So if you're a developer in the ecosystem and you want to contribute, you want to do something interesting with Neo, just sort of start a project. You reach out to City of Zion. It's very likely, you know, your project will receive funding. So yeah. you know, it, it really starts from the people doing the work, and then you know, you know, we're happy to sort of help that continue, basically. So with that said, what got you started with with Neo and doing this? I mean, you could have chosen. I mean, you're a PhD. He's currently a PhD student at Stanford. That's right. Is that correct. Yeah. Um, and with your credentials and with your background, why why Neo? Why not? Let's see any other one, Cardano or Quark yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, so that. I think the thing that uh, struck a lot of us about Neo was it had a lot of potential, 
And we felt we could make a big difference in, in helping it reach yeah. that potential. So, you know, we were very early investors, most of us, and you know, we read the original white paper, we looked at some of the original documents, and we saw just these huge technical ideas here, which could make such a difference. But we 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 saw the ecosystem component was missing quite a lot, and you know, a lot of yeah. communication, just a lot of you know, instruction. There's just so much that you could have that you didn't have, and. We thought that you know this was just a really great opportunity to take our various skills you know that yeah. we've developed professionally and, and apply them here to you know help this community grow and succeed. No, and, and Thomas, how how about you? How did you get? Um, I mean, I I've been a developer for a long time, yeah. and I, I got interested in Ethereum a, a little while ago, and um, tried the the Hello World thing <laughs> and, in Solidity, and it was yeah. just like. Uh, um, you know, I didn't come back to it. It didn't grab yeah, me in yeah, the same changed. way that uh, when I found Neo, um, just the the community around it and kind of like the unknown yeah, nature of yeah. it because it was so fresh. Yeah, um, it yeah. was quite a challenge. I mean, to because we when we encountered it, uh, all the comments were in Chinese. And, yeah, yeah, and uh, that's the other question I wanted to ask you guys in terms of the language barrier and also the cultural differences. I mean, obviously they're based in in, in Shanghai. How do, how do you guys work with that? Do you have a translator or do you have somebody as a point contact to kind of deal with some of these um, potential issues that can occur with communication? Yeah, so, so we have fairly direct communication, you know, both both with uh, Da Hongfei and, and Eric Zhang. So, okay. we, you know, we communicate with them directly. Um, and for the most part, people, you know, speak English very well. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's it's right. not a, not a huge issue. Awesome. Uh, in terms of sometimes you run into issues with other people on the Neo team or, yeah. you know, whatever. But these are issues that you can easily overcome. Awesome. So it's a yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Awesome. Let's move over to Next. Okay. So we just yesterday, um, we heard a presentation about Next Exchange. There was a whole payment system plan in there. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the direction of Next specifically? Uh, and, and also, how does that connect? back to the Neon wallet and all the things that you're doing? Are these two separate projects or is this something you're going to be consolidating some, some, at some point in the future? Or, yeah. Um, yeah, they're definitely separate projects. Okay, um, great. Neon wallet is it's a product of the city of Zion. Um, and it's based on uh, Neon.js, which That's right. we could talk yeah. a little bit more about. Um, um, but yeah, no, I mean, in terms of, you know, City of Zion is sort of the, the day one sort of group that allowed us to get together and to do all of these things. And then uh, sort of next is this sort of separate project that a subset of us have decided to form to tackle these real big usability issues we see in the world mm -hmm. of decentralized exchanges. So it's a, it's a very separate project, but a lot of the next contributions will be sort of making their way back to open source code that City of Zion can benefit from. So a lot of my viewers are really interested in this idea with this payment systems where it's really seamless. You don't have to go through like multiple wallets, go through different exchanges, have a really truly decentralized nature. How do you see the Neon wallet um, or just the overall ecosystem changing once Next gets gets rolled out and, and that, that going, is that something significantly change, you know, changing for the NEO ecosystem or is that something that is still a work in progress? I think uh, the easy answer there is that you'll have much cleaner interaction with distributed or decentralized applications, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, part of the job that Next wants to solve is to, is to make it easy for Next as a payment service, Next as an exchange, Next as anything to yeah. interact with these other third-party applications. And, you know, right now it's still, I would say it's still a little immature in the ecosystem in terms of how you interact with that. Neon Wallet is a great example of one third-party application that could interact. Yeah. yeah. So in, in the future, in terms of so the, the way I envision this is Next is going to be um, where you can shop, you can go online, you can buy things and can do the conversions there. And then your Neon wallet would be just your long-term storage of these coins. Do you see 
are you going to be focusing a lot on on the next exchange and trying to get that 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 platform running, or are you going to? I mean, I'm sure you guys are pretty busy with everything, but um, how much? What what type of work will you be involved in in terms of of, of that of that team in terms of next specifically? Uh, I, I think the next, you know, is definitely targeting long-term storage as well, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we have this idea of decentralized banking, right, yes, which, right. which definitely right. has that component. Um, that I, I think the main idea here is that, you know, there, there's room for multiple applications for different tasks, right? And if you want a truly open source project, um, you know, Neon Wallet will always be there and will always be continued to be developed, right? Um, Next is just sort of a, a different animal in some respects, and you know we'll have some probably additional benefits, <laughs> but you know Neon Wallet will have maybe some of its own benefits as well, right? So you know they will be separate things, but th there's room for both. Um, we've we've heard a lot about security and specifically with you know exchanges getting hacked and whatnot. Let's talk about security in regards to Next. Um, now that we're introducing fiat gateways, technically speaking, and you could still you know from what I saw out yesterday, they had a slide where you can do that. Talk a little bit about security and how people are going to feel comfortable doing these exchanges right on the fly versus having to go to a centralized exchange with insurance. Like, for example, Coinbase, they supposedly mm -hmm. have an insurance mm -hmm. policy. So let's talk a little bit about how you guys are implementing that part. I mean, I, I think the main thing is that you're always in control of, of your, your wallet. Wallets. So if you, instead of when you go to Coinbase and you give them money, yeah, they deposit Bitcoin or Ethereum in a wallet that they control. Got it. And then you tell them to send it somewhere else. Exactly. Um, I think our idea... And, it, both with the fiat gateway and also with the exchange is that you give uh, a payment service fiat and they uh, deposit the you know the crypto directly into an address you control so so they're never holding it for you mm -hmm. and, and the same goes with the exchange so you're not depositing your crypto in a centralized account um, you're right. always in control of it so if you look at the hack that happened recently, right? Yeah. You know this just yeah. would not be possible in the same way with something like Next. So, so that's okay. So that's that's another key thing. Yeah. Great, awesome. Um, and last question here: If you were to for the audience, yeah. why would someone get so excited about the next the next exchange? Um, if you would give a one or two sentence, just about that project, what gets you excited about the project, and actually have you wake up every day and said, "I really want to work on Next tomorrow and make it better." What's what's the key thing and the highlight? What would you say? Uh, so in my opinion, it would be sort of, you know, just making this whole cryptocurrency space much more usable and much more user-friendly. That's sort of the number one goal at kind of every level. Uh, but maybe Tom has a different... No, yeah, my yeah. opinion is the same. As, yeah. I mean, I want my mother to be able to yeah. trade <laughs> cryptocurrency without going yeah. through it, you know, Absolutely. without becoming a yeah. crypto hacker, because I don't want a crypto hacker. <laughs> you know, so. Great. Well, thank you guys both for coming here, guys. Uh, this was a pleasure having them come up here. And again, if you have any questions down there, I, I think these two are... They are on, on board in terms of getting that seamless experience where my mother, my grandmother can go <laughs> in and buy crypto without having to go through like four different exchanges, three, five different wallets. And to be honest with you, I, I loved the Neon Wallet. I'm pretty sure you, you have also um, experienced that. So thank you very much for being on the channel. Uh, thank you, Ethan, and thank you, Thomas. Thank you. And thank you Thanks very much. So much. All right, guys, thank you very much.